0: You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Setbacks in our lives are no match for the plans and purposes of God. Know more about God's sovereignty and faithfulness in this week 3 message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Today we're concluding our preaching series on Just in Time. Everybody say Just in Time. And I, I noticed that you came Just in Time for the service. Uh, but uh, just to give us a quick recap of our objective for this three-week series, as we uh, end tonight, this is the final uh, service for this series, for this, uh, for this church. And I uh, hope to see you all on uh, the 24th. How many of you are planning, by the way, to come to the 24th uh, for our Christmas Eve service? Can you please raise your hand so we can have an idea how many are coming? If you're planning to come to the 24th, please raise your hand. All right, just so that we can, yeah, because uh, we're packing all the eight services in three services, and so we need the miracle of God to multiply our space, okay? So, uh, so we just want to find out who's coming. Okay, uh, so this is our objective at the end of this series. We will see that God is never late in fulfilling His promise. How many of you would agree with me on that? That God is never late. Tell the person beside you, God is never late. He's always on time. He's always on time though many times you don't understand what the concept of time is with regards to god right for god the bible says for the lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day so which one would you choose okay would you like to have a day waiting before you get married lord a thousand years na no the song a thousand years will be your song on your wedding day yeah yeah okay okay that god is never late fulfilling his promises Universal or personal, leading to a greater understanding of the gospel revealed in the Messianic Prophets. In fact, speaking of uh, wedding, we just had a beautiful wedding last uh, Friday. Our youth pastor, Pastor Edre Kanda, got married uh, to a beautiful woman named Tin. Okay, and uh, so uh, uh, I was wondering where they are. Where's the commitment here? Okay? They're having their honeymoon, okay? Just joking. So uh, it's, uh, in fact, one of the... One of the statements in his wedding was uh, this particular scripture from Ecclesiastes. He makes everything beautiful in his time. And how many of you will agree with me on that? That God makes everything beautiful in his time. So that's the title, Just in Time. Because we're celebrating Christmas. Yes, we're celebrating Christmas uh, this in a, in a few days. But yet, the first Christmas happened more than 2,000 years ago. And uh, just to give us a quick review of what we talked about the past uh, few Sundays, uh, the first week we talked about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. How many of you remember that story? That both of them were old? Actually, the old, only the man is old and the woman is what? Well along in years. Remember that? Okay, so don't ever say to a woman, you're old. But you may say, I think you're well along in years. Okay, so, and and uh, they never had a child until the time when God showed up. I mean, when the angel showed up, and uh, he was a messenger from the Lord, and he said, "You're gonna have a baby." And exactly the year later, uh, a year later, they had a child, and the child was John the Baptist. And uh, you know, maybe they felt like it was a lost opportunity. Why only now? But guess what? There's no lateness with God. Because God is not affected by our own time. In fact, God is not bound by any time in space. We know time as it is. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But God does not have any yesterday, today, and tomorrow. For God, when you talk about time, it's all one giant diorama. When God looks at you, He sees you from the time you were born until the time that we die. That's how God is. He's not bound by time. Okay, And so... Last week, Pastor uh, Bernard talked about the story of Mary. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Bernard's message last week? Okay, uh, you know all is grabe, galeng, you know, anubayan, you know, and those are the only words, tagalog words that he knows anyway. So uh, we taught them that. Okay, and we're adding new uh, vocabulary every time he comes here. Okay, so he talked about Mary, and the title uh, was "Despite the Natural," and though Mary was a virgin. And she was pledged to be married to Joseph. God used a situation in order for her to become the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even our God is not, you know, uh, limited by anything that is natural because he is a supernatural God. And today we're going to be talking about despite adversity. And how many of you have gone through some adversities in your life? Okay? Adversity. In other words, troubles or hardships, or trials, or difficulties, or challenges. Anybody here? Am I the only one raising up my hand? Okay? Maybe some of you are not yet raising up your hand. Don't worry, it will come. Okay? Um, I promise you that. Because, uh, <laughs> because Jesus gave this promise that in this world, you will have what? You will have troubles. Okay? It's kind of like that song of Taylor Swift. Swift, di right? You're nothing but trouble. Something like, or you are trouble, or whatever, okay? Something like that, okay? So, speaking of adversity, you know, we just, uh, we just came from a trip from Tacloban last, a couple of days ago, and uh, we went Friday, uh, Wednesday, we came back Thursday, and still the situation was far from being normal. We uh, were able to visit and uh, deliver some goods again to uh, the church. Uh, through the leadership of Pastor Eugene Ramirez and his executive pastor uh, Kix Javier, and we were able to also have uh, a time with the mayor, Mayor Romualdez, who happens to be a member of our Victory Church in Tacloban as well, together with his wife Kring Kring. And so, if you look at some of the photos, it's still wow the devastation when I landed uh, last uh, Wednesday. The feeling was heartbreaking, but at the same times, but uh, at, at the same time, I sense so much. Uh, optimism and faith that despite what happened, they are still in faith. You know, we were talking to some uh, people in Tacloban, and they're yes, they were questioning what happened, but at the same time, they are continuing to hang on to the God that they know who loves them. And sometimes there are things uh, or adversities that we cannot understand. How many of you sometimes have gone through some difficulties or trials or problems that you yourself don't even know what, what that means? Me personally, as I shared my experience a couple of weeks ago about the loss of our son, we don't understand what happened. In this particular case, we probably would ask, Lord, why? Why did this thing happen? So many children died. So many innocent people died. Uh, You know, you you still see uh, like broken lampposts uh, on the streets. You probably noticed that particular white edifice, okay, that's crooked because that's not really a house, it's actually a boat. And, you know, there are like, I think there are like eight ships that have been brought to shore because of the mighty uh, waves. And they're just parked there beside houses. And when we were talking to some of the people, uh, it, like, particularly the father of one of our members we were interviewing because his house happened to be just beside that ship that was brought to shore. And somehow when we, when he was relating the story of what happened during the typhoon, he said, "You know, I am grateful that because of this ship, it didn't really ram straight to our homes. It became like a dam and stopped the water from hitting our homes. So what happened was when they were talking to the captain, the captain of the several the captains of several ships basically talked to one another and they said. Let's form a dam instead of us ramming through the shore. Let's just form a dam, and that's exactly what happened. They formed a formation in order to stop the water, and thus saving uh, several hundreds of uh, families right there along that shoreline. And so, this is not an odd image of you seeing, you know, all over the city, lots of lots of tents, hundreds of tents, uh, uh, turned uh, buses and trucks and cars. But yet, despite that, you see, you probably won't notice that this, despite that, this family still were able to put a smile uh, on their faces. And so you see, um, you know, some of the uh, just horrible pictures declaring I love Tacloba. You know, the reason why we were there, by the way, was uh, we've sent uh, some medical teams the week before. And uh, this week, we were asked to be able to help uh, through the coordination with uh, one of our members, uh, actually a couple of our members, uh, Joey and BJ Hernandez, they were working in the office of uh, the mayor, and they were asked if we—they were asked if we could help them because it's the fifth anniversary of uh, Tacloban as a highly urbanized city, and they said because of the typhoon, we were not ready to have a celebration. Well, so, would you come and help us? You would like to invite Victory to come and organize an event for us? And what do the church know about city events? So we organized a worship concert unto the Lord. And guess what? We actually, it was a time of rededicating the city to the Lord. It was a two-hour worship, set, uh, worship concert. Uh, we brought Pastor Saul and uh, Luci together with some members of our uh, music team. We also brought Pastor Carlo and uh, some of his uh, team who basically distributed hundreds of of uh, toys to, to kids uh, in Tacloban. And it was such an amazing event because the presence of God was there. And, and uh, if you're going to come on, uh, on a Tuesday for the Christmas Eve uh, service, we're going to be showing you some highlights uh, through a video of what happened exactly in that event. So speaking of adversity, that's exactly what our topic is tonight. And I'd like to invite everyone to stand up as I read the scripture from Matthew chapter two, verse twenty—sorry, uh, verse one to fifteen. Matthew chapter two, beginning from one to fifteen. So hang in there; it's a, a rather lengthy uh, text. Okay, are you ready? Sabihin mo sa katabi mo, yes, I'm ready. Yes, you may just go and follow with your beautiful eyes as I read with my beautiful voice. Yeah. Alright, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, or in Tagalog, what? Magi, okay. (laughs) Magi or Magi, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Why was he disturbed? Because he was the king. And when these wise men were looking for the king of the Jews, he's probably wondering, scratching his head, why are you looking for another king? I am the king of the Jews. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them uh, where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they asked, or they replied rather, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of what? Of my people, Israel. And who is he referring to? He is Jesus. He will be the shepherd of, of, uh, of the people, us, for us. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As you uh, find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Of course, we know that he was just bluffing them because ultimately what he wanted to do was to destroy the baby instead of worshiping the baby. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place, where the child was, when they saw the star, they were what? They were? Come on, I don't believe you. Okay, they were? Lord. Yes, yes. Now I believe you. Okay, They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So you're talking about the wise men. Another scenario is now Joseph and Mary. He get up. He said, "Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to what? To kill him. And this is where the adversity comes in. The plan of Herod was not just to kill Jesus, but when he when he was frustrated. He eventually had all the babies killed at that time. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this evening. We ask, Lord God, that you would come and minister to us, that despite the adversities that we go through in life, whether as a family, as an individual, or as a nation, I thank you that ultimately you are in charge and that you still will fulfill your purpose for us. Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak to your people, encourage us. I thank you for your hope uh, that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. If you're going to read further, a few more verses after the text that we have just read, When Herod found out, the Magi outwitted him. Basically, he gave an order to destroy and kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem two years and below. But yet, Jesus was saved. We know that. And so, that was a time of adversity. A time wherein innocent babies were killed in the land of Jerusalem. And we will see this particular character, his name was King Herod. He was a tyrant, and yet he was a brilliant man. He was a builder. He was known, if, if, you, if you are going to open, uh, you know, maybe history books, and maybe go and look at Google and type there, King Herod, or uh, Roman Empire, King Herod of Judea, you would find out uh, that he was such a man with several accomplishments. And yet, he was so troubled at anybody trying to be a threat to his kingship. He had his wife executed because of such threat. He had his brothers executed. And anyone who would try to come up and be, uh, you know, be a threat or, a tre- or, or produce treason, he would just go ahead and uh, execute them and kill them. Thus, you know, this would probably be not a perfect scenario for Jesus to be born at this time. And yet, in God's infinite wisdom, How many of you know that God's ways are not our ways? And His thoughts are not our thoughts? How many of you know that God is wiser than us? That when it comes to timing, God probably knows better than us? And if you look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, speaking of just in time, I wonder why of all the time in history, why did you allow this birth of Christ to be made during the time of Herod? And yet, in verse 4, it says... But when the time had Had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. God deemed it the best to have Jesus born at this particular time in history, in this particular place, because He feels that it is time. It is time. Sometimes we're waiting for a breakthrough and we're wondering, Lord, is it time? You know, when my kids, uh, you know, sometimes would drive with us for a long drive, whether it's in Tagaytay or whether, you know, just going across the city from uh, Alabang to uh, Farview or or whether there was somewhere there in Marikina, you know, they'd always ask, are we there yet? How many of you have kids like that? Are we there yet, or is it time already? How many of you have asked that question before the Lord? Lord, are we there yet? naman Lord. And yet, in God's wisdom, He knows exactly when to do things. You know, you have to remember if you just go out from the Scripture and maybe read some history books that during the Roman Empire was known. Uh, the Roman peace that was established because of their conquest of different lands all across the globe at that uh, at that era, and it was known as Pax Romana, Roman peace. That at that particular moment in history, Rome had subdued its known enemies, thus a perfect backdrop for peace. In order for the gospel or the good news to be carried on from this particular place in Bethlehem outside to the known world. That was also the time wherein they were establishing a lot of new discoveries. Like for example, King Herod the Great not only rebuilt the King, uh, King Solomon's temple, but he was also instrumental in rebuilding a city like Caesarea Maritima, which is really a brilliant port at that time. It was well advanced for its years. You know, when I went there together with some pastors, we were marveling at the structures, massive structures of how they moved these stones and they were able to build huge aqueducts. You know, uh, transferring waters from city to city without heavy equipment. You know, we were wondering how that happened and yet they did it. They were able to pave new roads from, you know, in different parts so that it can unify the Roman Empire. Thus, this is probably the best backdrop for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because the good news will be easily preached from then on. Maybe some of you are going to give a suggestion, Lord, if there's probably a better time, it's probably today. Because of, can you, can you imagine, you know, this is the information age, Right? How many of you know that when you talk about information, we can just transfer information uh, just like that from one uh, point to the next in a matter of seconds? You know, I was asking earlier from Pastor Jansen, can you email me some pictures so that I can use it also? For, because he went uh, during the first trip to Tacloban together with Pastor Ferdy, and so he emailed me just like that, a few seconds, depending, of course, on your internet connection. But yet the population now is well bloated to trillions compared to, uh, sorry, billions. Are we trillions already? Billions. Compared to how many millions during that time? Another character that we can see in this story was, were the magi. And, you know, we weren't sure if there were really three kings. What we're sure of are three gifts. And what were the gifts? Gold, frankincense, Frankenstein, and myrrh. Gold is given to a king, which is really a prophetic symbol for Jesus as king of kings and lord of lords. Incense is given to deity, which is really a picture of him being the second member of the Godhead, the son of man or the son of God. And third is myrrh, which is used to bury the dead, which is a picture of him becoming a savior. Of the world that this child was born to die for our sins, and yet in in their desire to look at uh, to, to see the king, uh, you know they were searching for for where the, where the king was to be born for many years. They were waiting for this. the Maga, but the magi were seeking the king, Herod was opposing the king, and the Jewish priests were ignoring the king. The Jewish priests ought to be the ones knowing the prophecy, the prophetic words. Uh, dates, that dated back from the time of Daniel, and yet it was the Magi who are basically foreigners who are more adept and more familiar with the prophetic words about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just have some three quick lessons from the text. First lesson is this, God works through adversities. Can we all read this out loud? One, two, three. God works through adversities. You know, if you've got a problem or a trouble, guess what? God will work in your situation, even through that adversity. Sometimes God uses adversities to work for our advantage. I'm not sure if you're going to agree with me on that. And the type of prayer that we sing, and how many of you pray this prayer, Lord, can you please take away this problem? How many of you prayed that prayer? Please take away my problem. One of our pastors shared, Pastor Luther said once, and he quoted, he said, How can you face the problem if the problem is your face? (laughs) And sometimes we ask the Lord, Lord, take away this problem or take away this trouble. And yeah, that's a good prayer to us. If the problem is maybe lack in your finance or maybe if the problem is a sickness in your family, of course, we pray for healing. We pray for you know, God to respond to our needs at that particular time. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But my question is, what if that problem stays there and it becomes a lingering trouble or adversity or hardship? Is it possible that that is where God wants you to be at that particular time? Maybe the question is, Lord, are you punishing me? Maybe a wrong question to ask. You know, we found a, uh, a book, and I want to quote from this book entitled The Strong Name. And this really speaks about uh, the cross and how the enemy thought that the cross was really the weapon to kill and to end the, you know, the destiny of Christ here on earth. He did not realize that God will use the cross as a symbol of Christianity and victory over the devil. I'd like to read this. It is a glorious phrase that he led captivity captive. The very triumph of his foes he used for their defeat. He compelled their achievements to serve his end, not theirs. They nailed him to the tree not knowing that by that very act they were bringing the world to his feet. They gave him a cross not guessing that he would make it a throne. They flung Him outside the gates to die, not knowing that in that very moment, they were lifting up all the gates of the universe to let the King of glory come in. How many of you know that God's perspective is so different from ours? And God's perspective is so different from the devil's perspective because the devil thought he has won up over over the Lord. The devil thought he won over Christ, and yet because of Christ's death, he needed to be resurrected, and that's where the victory came in. They, they thought to root out His doctrines, not understanding that they were implanting imperishably in the hearts of men the very name they intended to destroy. They thought that they had God with His back to the wall pinned, and helpless, and defeated. They did not know that it was God Himself who would track them down, that spot. He did not conquer in spite of darkness of evil. He conquered through them. And I believe that God, as we go through our adversities in life, God can use our circumstances in order for us to have victory over the plans of the enemy. That's why if you have a cross that you're carrying right now, don't be afraid. God can actually turn it around for your good. Amen. In fact, if you talk about Christianity, Christianity is probably the only religion or faith system that has a God that can turn a disadvantage to an advantage through the picture of the cross. What the enemy thought was the death of Christ really was the victory of Christ. And you know, maybe sometimes you look at your life, "Ah, somehow as I have gone through life. And as we have faced difficulties and challenges and trials, God will use those things. To really build up our faith and to make, him, to make us trust in Him the more. Now, how many of you are normally excited when you receive a breakthrough? Can you please raise your hand? You know, if you receive a blessing, for example, if you pray for a car, you know, you get a car. Or if you pray for a race, then you get a race. Or if you pray for a promotion, you get a promotion. Or if you pray for that girl, uh, come on, yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> you get one girl, right? Not a lot of girls. And we get excited every time there's a breakthrough, right? Because I guess it's human nature. We celebrate the goodness of God in breakthroughs and provision. You know, when, I remember one time when we were leading a small group. We're not your uh, pastors in Alabang. We're still uh, staff and we're uh, leading a small group, I think, in Ortigas or in Galeria. And I remember our small group uh, when they were writing in uh, a pieces of paper for their faith goals for the year. And how many of you, by the way, Just a quick plug, Uh, how many of you normally join us for our prayer and fasting every year? We're going to be having a prayer and fasting this January, okay? So just put in your calendar January 6 to 10, okay? Don't forget that. It's a time of prayer and fasting, uh, five days only, okay? So we'll start our new year, just be in faith, and uh, we're going to be seeking the Lord, okay? So, uh, of course, before fasting, we will enjoy our feasting first, okay? Now... Now, I remember when, during the time of uh, prayer and fasting, we were writing down, uh, you know, uh, faith goals. And there was a time when they, when they were just praying for babies. And, you know, uh, what happened was, I think at the end of that year, you know, the breakthrough was, you know, I think most of the members were pregnant. Of course, the women, not the men, okay? Uh, and how many of you know that is a breakthrough? It's just so interesting because you ask the Lord, it's time to celebrate. There was a breakthrough there. God answered our prayers. But yet, when we experience adversities, I believe that we experience God the most during those times. In fact, Pastor Sonny would always joke about, you know, when he's praying for tuition, close sila ni Lord. Because that's the reality. When you go through times of difficulties or troubles, how many of you know that the tendency is for us to pray and hang on to God? Amen. And most often, when we have plenty, chances are, not all the time, but sometimes, we tend to forget God. We tend to drift away when you know, everything is in, you know, in, uh, in order, when we have an abundance when you don't need to pray really because everything is provided for, when you're in good health, when the children are doing okay, when your wife is doing okay, when your husband is you know, coming with you to church, you know, the tendency is, okay, time to relax. But guess what? During times of adversity, during times of troubles, during times of, of, of uh, difficulty, how many of you know that the tendency for us is always to cry out to the Lord? One particular example we talked about a couple of weeks ago or a couple, uh, maybe a month ago, was the story of Job. We know that Job is probably the guy in the Bible who had the most adversities in life. He lost his seven children, he lost all his businesses. You know, only some of his servants were spared, and he was left with a nagging wife who told him, Curse God and die. Can you imagine if you live with that wife every day? Curse God and die. No. <laughs> But I wonder how things turned around for her. Maybe she had a change of heart. That's why at the end of Job's life, God gave him back seven children and twice the amount or twice the the things that he lost during the first adversity. And this is what he said. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I heard about the faithfulness of God, I heard about God being good. I heard about God providing back, maybe because of his ancestors, but now he's actually gone through the adversity and he can say, now my eyes have seen the Lord. And that's what adversity does to us. Because of adversities or difficulties, guess what? Many times you can sense the presence of God because God promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. And you can actually sense that God is there despite what you're going through. Amen. Second lesson is God will guide us in our adversities. First is God will use the adversities for our advantage. Second is God will guide us in our adversities. Verse 9, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I'd like to encircle the word star here. I was wondering what kind of star that was. Was it megastar? Was it diamond star? Star for all seasons? Superstar? I don't know what, that, what kind of star that was. But somehow, that's an amazing star because these guys are wise men. And in their study of science, they're also experts in stars or astronomy, and they know exactly which stars are there in the, in, the, in the sky. And for some reason, they probably saw one star. Now, how many of you have seen a shooting star at night? How does a shooting star move? That's it. Seen them once, gone already, right? But this particular star, they said, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, and it stopped. Now, I wonder, that might be a UFO. I don't know what that was. Because can you imagine, it's, if it's a star, why is it moving? Because normally stars are static. They just stay in one place, right? Like the sun is you know, the, the closest star in our solar system. But yet this particular star was guiding them. And they're riding what? Camel Express, right? So they're kind of slow. And I wonder how slow that star was. It was probably waiting for them. So, you know, when you read your Bible, you've got to use your imagination. That's how I read my Bible. I use my imagination. So, I was wondering what kind of star was that? Don't ask me the answer, okay? It's still a question. So, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened the treasures, and we've talked about this. But yeah, there's a prophecy in Numbers, which relates to the star, and it's this. Numbers 24, verse 17, there was a prophecy of Balaam, who was really a false prophet, but yet God used him to bless the people of God, the Israelites. And it says here, I see him, but not now. Because this happened maybe about a thousand years before the actual birth of Christ. And he said, I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of the people of what? So be careful when you speak that word, okay? When you say that word, you got to pronounce it with sheth. Practice. Sheth. Yeah, okay. Don't slip the H, okay? There has to be, you know. So who is this star that this guy Balaam was prophesying about? Was it the shooting star? This is Jesus Christ. A prophetic symbol of Christ. He is the real star. Jesus Christ. Superstar. King of kings. Lord of Lords. If you're talking about fame and you know, maybe American idols, there's nothing compared to this kind of star. In verse 12, another way of God guiding them, first of course is the star. We don't know how that happened. But talking about God can use anything supernaturally, He can guide us. Now how many of you are believing God for guidance and wisdom for 2014? I mean, all of us. I believe that's all of us. We're probably seeking for direction. We're probably asking, Lord, Lord, what's next? What's, you know, what's this year, 2014, going to be? And maybe you're asking, you're, you're going to be setting some faith goals this year. Guess what? All we need to do is to ask the Lord. And don't just casually seek God. Go and dig deep in the Word of God. Amen. We need to be genuine seekers. And it says, genuine seekers find guidance from God through His words. Through the Bible and even through circumstances of life. sometimes God uses circumstances. In this particular case, the star was used by God to guide the wise men in finding the Savior, the Lord, and actually was able to worship Him. Of course, some other ways of God using uh, uh, how to guide us is uh, maybe prophetic words. How many of you have received a prophetic word in your life? Maybe through a prophet or maybe through... Uh, you know, a victory group leader who's operating in the gift of prophecy, okay? So we also believe in that. Um, Another way God speaks is through visions and dreams, okay? Now, how many of you have actually received a word from the Lord through a dream? How many of you are dreaming right now because you're taking a nap? Okay. (laughs) So these are some of the things that God speaks to us. Of course, the best Person to go and guide us is the Holy Spirit Himself. Okay, the Holy Spirit is with us, He is our guide, He is our counselor, He is our comforter. But that's not really our topic today. But God, despite our advan- our adversaries, our adversaries, rather, He is the one who guides us so that we can actually get out of those difficult situations. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. In fact, I want to invite everyone to read this out loud. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. That's the promise of God. Condition is trust in the Lord, not with half your heart, but with all your heart. Give Him Lordship over your life. Lean out on your understanding. Sometimes if God tells you to do something, even if you don't understand, just do it anyway. Mary asked the Lord, how can this be since I am a virgin? Yet, she did not rely on her understanding because the, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And she said, let the Lord's will be done. And when God speaks to us in times of difficult situation, in times of adversity, guess what? The response should be, let God's will be done. Let's lean not in our own wisdom because God's ways and God's wisdom is better than our own wisdom. In all our ways, submit to Him or acknowledge Him. Guess what? Our paths will be paved for us. He will make our path straight. I don't want to go to a crooked path. Can you imagine the Israelites, when they left Egypt and they were crossing the Red Sea, they crossed in in one, uh, uh, one move, but yet when they were already in the wilderness, how many years did they stay in the wilderness? 40 years. What would have taken 11 days to cross from the wilderness to the promised land took them 40 years. I would rather have a straight path than a crooked path. Or a path that circles around for 40 years. How many of you would rather obey God and use your own wisdom? You please raise your hand. Obey God and I believe that He will make your path straight. One last lesson as we come to a close is God will deliver us from adversities. God will ultimately deliver us. He will guide us how to go through it, and He will ultimately deliver us from adversities. Now, of course, we now move to the story of Joseph and Mary. God used a dream. To speak to Joseph. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up. You know, when God speaks to us, this is again the same point. When God speaks, we need to obey and go and obey. Took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled, What the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Of course, if you see that in verse 15, it says, Until the death of Herod. When you talk about adversities, adversities are temporary. That thing will also die. The thing that was persecuting them, the thing that caused them trouble, the thing that caused them to to be in Egypt, ultimately had to die. And then God called them back. Guess what? Our problems and our troubles are temporary. Amen. Tell the person beside you? And tell that person, that's temporary. Now, your wife is permanent, <laughs> but she's not trouble, right? <laughs> Adversities are temporary. Psalm 32 verse 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs. Of deliverance. It's interesting to note that when we went to uh, Tacloban, one of the stories that was shared—I think not just there, but in media—was uh, they actually bore a hole. You know, the mayor and his wife. Uh, the wife was in a, uh, a guest uh, in their house with guest rooms there, and the mayor, I think, was along the beach. Okay. Now, this is a picture of their house. Uh, just a few days after the storm surge. Now, if you look at that, you'll probably notice that there are trees that fell on the roof, right? And how many of you will be happy if a tree falls on your roof or on your car? I don't think you'll be grateful for that, right? Because, oh, naman, You know, this is hassle, naman, diba And so, you're probably going to see that and say, this is not a blessing. But yet, those very trees, were the ones that saved them. If you look across the street and right beside them, the neighbor's house are gone. No roof, no walls. This particular trees basically pinned their roof so that it will stay there despite the strong winds. And it pegged the walls despite the strong tsunami waters. And maybe sometimes you would think that, you know, Lord, this burden is just too heavy for me to carry, guess what? That might be a tree that will pin you down for a while so that when the storm surge is over, you can be safe. Because God ultimately promises deliverance for His people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And of course, you know the story. They got saved I think um, just uh, an hour I think or so they were delivered from that particular house after the tsunami waters came back to the shore. And I remember they were saying this uh, uh, story that when the, the, when the waters were rising inside their house, they actually bore a hole uh, through the ceiling and they were singing this particular song, You Are My World, it's a worship song from Hillsongs until you know, they, they actually were rescued. That's the picture. And you know, as we were going through the city, we also saw this particular edifice. This is the central bank in Tacloban. And when you see this particular structure, it was massive. And there was no damage at all. Because when we checked the way it was built, the walls are probably three meters thick. (laughs) That no amount of wind or tsunami or water can actually break the walls. And I believe that that is a picture of God wants to build in us. That as we go through life, going through some adversities and troubles and trials and difficulties, that ultimately God is building us from inside out. God is thickening our walls so that, you know, no matter what you go through in life, guess what? The storms may come, but you will stand strong despite the storms. Amen. God has His ways. Ultimately, God has His ways. God delivers either by a miracle or by providing His grace. I don't know what you're going through right now. But I believe that there are only two things or two ways that God delivers us. By Him providing a miracle and takes out the adversity quickly or the storm quickly. Or God allows us to go through that storm and adversity and provides the grace. So that we can withstand the pressure. The Apostle Paul was asking the Lord, Lord, if you can take this thorn in the flesh from me, and what's the response of, of God? My grace is sufficient for you because your, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And sometimes God allows us to go through the storms of life and adversities, but yet He provides a supernatural grace that we can actually prevail despite the storms and adversity. My main point as I come to a close is this. Despite adversity, God's purpose will prevail. Amen. Can we just give the Lord another hand this evening? We hope you were inspired by that message. As we celebrate this joyous season and end 2013 in Thanksgiving, we invite you to join us in opening 2014 with a five-day prayer and fasting beginning January 6, 2014. Please watch out for further announcements. Merry Christmas and stay connected.